Episode 3 of this Mars Horizon podcast series is a special one. Andrew Koo of the UK Space Agency kindly gave his valuable time and visited us at Oroch Digital to talk about the management of an actual space agency. If, like me, you've never held a conversation with someone who works at a space agency, then trust me when I say it's one of the most magnifying chats you'll ever likely have. Thomas spoke with him on the subjects of Mars, collaboration, achievements, and how a game like Mars Horizon gives platform to engage. But first, let's sit down with Dan the Broads the Brody, talking about event systems that allows Steve to design Mars Horizon with a great amount of freedom. Steve himself will then talk about the Mars mission. Let's open the airlock one last time in this series. Here's episode three of the Mars Horizon podcast by Auric Digital. Here's Dan Brody. My name's Daniel Brody, and I am the programmer for the game. He's going to tell us about the event systems built for design and how this is managed. What kind of events might players be faced with during their campaign? So there are two kinds of events in this game. We have random events and real events that would happen in real life. Random events are things such as an astronaut punching a conspiracy theorist. The purpose of events is they have real impacts on your agency, and a lot of it is stuff that you can't control. So in the case of the astronaut punching a conspiracy theorist, your agency is going to take a PR hit, and you're going to have to make a decision whether or not you want to fire them because of that, or if you want to sort of defend him for basically the conspiracy theorist being wrong. Uh, A real event is something that's much more interesting. It's a way of adding flavor to the game. Something like the Star Wars movie coming out, Uh, We have an event set in the games that, when that movie comes out, if on that date, lots more people are interested in space suddenly because of the movie, and your space agency is going to get a massive PR boost because of it. What if the astronaut is kept on? It might be a good idea to keep him on because of the salary. Uh, If he's cheap and he's trained, then it's sort of... You've got, it's a difficult decision to just instantly decide to fire someone because of that, because you're going to have to go through a whole new training process for a new astronaut. But keeping him on, which means that the government's going to give you less funding, so you're going to have sort of economic struggles in the short term. And if the astronaut causes more issues, then that's just going to hit you further. So it's a real balance of, like, do you take the PR hit or do you and get lower funding next year when the sort of funding reviews come around? Or do you just try to sort of sail through it and boost your PR in other ways to sort of counteract it, but then you don't have to retrain the astronaut? How can a system like this enable design more freedom? So the interesting thing about the event system is is that it's an entire scripting language, uh, and the main purpose of that is so that a programmer doesn't have to individually go and program all these events. Steve, our designer, can use the system and create any event he wants. He can set a date on it, or if he doesn't have to have a set date, it could just be a random event which could occasionally occur. Uh, He can set sort of chances of these things occurring if they're sort of likely to occur or less likely. He can set the scripting language and part of it allows him to set any effect that he could possibly want on these events. So an event could be something like somebody sells you some research and you can buy it. So you could have, you gain research because of this event, or you could have an event which gives you money or takes money away from you. It's got all kinds of possibilities of this event system. The idea is anything that we could code for an event system, Steve doesn't have to code it. He can just decide to add it through a back-end editor in the game. By giving design more freedom here, 
How does this improve implementation? So the good thing about having a designer implement all the events is that if he has a list of events that he wants to add, if a programmer had to add it, it's, it's quite time consuming and for little changes, you're often never going to get all the events right or you might suddenly go, oh, here's a quick new event I want to add. And it's, you can't really distract the programmer constantly to add like one little event. So just having a system where if Steve suddenly reads a new article online and finds a new event that he would like to add to the game, he can just go and do it. It's a, it's a real freedom to be able to just sort of add things as you see them. Uh, I think that's the thing with the event system. Uh, you're always learning about new cool space facts and it's really good to just be able to add them without having to distract the programmer, I guess. Within this three-part series, we've spoken about many elements of the Mars Horizon machine. However, one crucial color yet to be added to the palette is talk of the final Mars mission itself. Enter Steve. Uh, hey, I'm Steve. I'm the lead designer on Mars Horizon. The Mars mission, well, the game's called Mars Horizon, right? The whole, the whole point of this game is taking humanity, or taking your agency through from the first sort of the dawn of spaceflight all the way through to landing a person on Mars. It's it's the mission that to end all missions. You know, it's it's the final boss. It's uh, uh, it's it's what you've been working towards this whole time. So we've kind of got to make it a little bit special. So planning for Mars is quite the mission. Eight space agencies have been planning a Mars mission for quite a long time, and it's always it's always just seems to be just out of reach. There always seems to be. It's in 20 years' time. It's in 20. Like it's been in 20 years' time for for quite a while now, um, and the reason for that is because there's just so much prep to do. There's so much that you've got to take into account. Mars, like the the most efficient route to Mars, the most the, the lowest energy route, is I think something like a nine month travel time with over a year on Mars before you can take the, the next nine month trip back. It's a hell of an endeavor and like if anything goes wrong you can't you can't just send out the AA. Other spaceflight breakdown services are available. Uh, you can't you know just um, fix stuff, uh, you know, send out spare parts, you have to have redundancies, you've got to have the crew trained to deal with absolutely anything. Even even going somewhere as relatively simple as, as the moon, you know, there's huge amounts of stuff that can go wrong. And you know, when you look at stuff uh, missions like Apollo 13, there's one tiny error can cascade into this absolute catastrophe. And if you're doing that nine months away from Earth, when the the radio travel time's even longer, you can't just send the messages back and forth forward nice and quickly. It's yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. And we wanna we wanna kind of incorporate that sort of, that level of difficulty, that level of complexity into, into Mars Horizon. Tell us about the preparation for a mission like this, and how Mars Horizon might draw from the real world in aiding players with their mission prep. When you're planning for your Mars mission, there's going to be, there's going to be quite a lot of prep you want to do in advance. I mean, I, it, it's technically possible, if you want to, you can just stick a load of astronauts, in a spacecraft and launch it, point it towards Mars and just hit go and see what happens. If you want to do that, it's a really bad idea, uh, but you can do it if you want to. Um, <laughs> because your poor astronauts are going to be on, on the surface of Mars with no, no backup, no kind of habitats or anything like that, only what they've got with them. And they're going to have to survive for that amount of time with what you've sent. 
so what you're more likely to do is uh, set up a habitat in advance. You're going to send a couple of pre-missions out there with the supplies they're going to need. They're gonna, there's going to be maybe some drones and stuff who can prep a landing site, all that kind of stuff. Maybe you're going to want to prepare your astronauts for, for the however long they're going to be on Mars. There's a couple of programs at the moment where people are preparing for for long-term missions like these. Like there's a there's a year-long habitat in uh, Hawaii, I think it is. Basically, people have been subjected to pretty much the conditions they're going to be in on Mars for a full year. A transmission they, they have with the base, well, with the sort of mission control and with their families has got all the same delays it would have if they're on Mars. They're not allowed to leave the habitat unless they're in a spacesuit. And yeah, it's, it seems to be going quite well. There's loads of, loads of good psychological data you can, you can get from that kind of experiment. Um, and those are the kind of options we want to give the players as well. You know, if you want to prepare your astronauts for this, then that's going to work out well for you in the long run. They're going to be much more better equipped to deal with the, the isolation and the, the, the conditions out on this dusty, desolate planet. How will the Mars mission culminate the player's experience? Because it's the, it's the final mission of the game, it has to be the culmination of, of everything you've done up until this point. It's, it's the... Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's the... It's the final mission, like I say, you know, it's the, the, the big one. From a design point of view, from, from my point of view, it has, to, it has to challenge everything you've learned. All of the, all of the systems, like your, your Mars spacecraft is going to be the most complex spacecraft you've used up until this point. There's going to be a lot more options uh, in one place than in almost any other mission. Crewed missions as a whole are, are more complicated because you've got to manage your astronauts as well as just electrical systems, but this one's... It's got, it's got to be something special, and that's, that's what we're really trying to, trying to push towards. We're hoping Mars Horizon develops into something special, and with the support of the UK Space Agency demonstrating its potential as a conceptual project and gaming title. Introducing Andrew Koo. I am Andrew Koo. I'm Head of International Spaceflight Policy at the UK Space Agency. His expertise is golden and something we couldn't resist including. I'll leave this open chat to Thomas, discussing the inner workings of an actual space agency. I think one of the things that I'm interested to know is where there's a bit of... Where are the parallels between what we're doing and what you really do? And I suppose we've taken this base idea at the root of the management layer of the game, is that there's an interrelationship between you running your space agency, the success of that space agency, how the government views you, therefore, if things are going well, obviously they're very happy, and then therefore what the public support is, and then therefore there's a positive feedback loop where things go well, the government like it, the public like it, and you get resources into your space agency with which you can do more. Is, is that a realistic thing of a space agency in general? Yeah, I guess in crude terms, I mean, you wouldn't want to build a simulation of everything I do in my day job. I mean, that would be just doing my job, which I find very interesting, but probably isn't a game as such. So there's this kind of interesting tension between the excitement of space exploration as this kind of inspiring cultural pursuit, and then, yeah, the practice of it every day, which is... Perhaps not quite so glamorous, but I think there's a lot to be said for the, uh, the intrepid bureaucracy we undertake. Um, so, yeah, but that, that kind of... We have to have the confidence of our stakeholders, so we have to have the confidence of the scientific community, the confidence of the industrial community, and also the, the confidence of our government and our ministers. So that's kind of the three axes that we're always kind of working to to keep satisfied. 
So then, in, in running a space agency, what what? So in in our game, the the levers that you can pull is you you can select. You can say, well, this is our vision. So we want to do a mission to Mars. You can select. Uh, you've got a certain amount of levers you can select in in. How, for example, later on in the game, how you tender for, air, you know, for missions for for spacecraft, uh, and there's also levers you can pull in the game in how, you know, not just the big headline missions you do, but the smaller missions you undertake, and then once those missions are kind of, uh, you know, been successfully done, and I think a satellite launch is the, the really key example. That becomes a fairly commonplace mission that then that earns your agency some degree of of kudos depending on how you do it ongoing does that have some resonance again with what the uk space agency actually does what levers you can actually pull to advance space flight space knowledge well, what's the correct term for the overarching progress in space actually um i mean generically people say space exploration but then within the industry space exploration is actually quite a well-defined subset of what we do um but yeah, that's one of the um, one of the things that really attracted me to the game and the concept of the game initially was that you can't do one thing without the others. You have to have this holistic approach. You have to be developing the technologies, flying the satellites, as well as investing in the bigger, longer-term missions, as well as balancing that with the PR, public perception of what you're doing. And really, that that is quite accurate. You do have to do all of those. We in the UK Space Agency, um, we got a lot of attention for Tim Peake, it was very exciting, the first British person to go to the International Space Station, um, and that was, that was really exciting. But then if you look at the whole range of programmes we're investing in, we, we put ten times as much money into telecommunication technology as we did into human spaceflight, and that got less than a tenth of the coverage that human spaceflight did. Yeah, I, th I think that's been one of the fascinating things, being able to talk to you about it and hearing that reality is, is exactly that, that the you see that the headline thing of a person in space, but the, the requirements to get to that point, all the people who've got to do their jobs, all the things that have got to be built, it's like the, the tip of the, you know, it's a cliche, but it's like the iceberg really, isn't it? It's the, the bit of the iceberg we see is that, you know, on the news is the person in space, but underneath the water is this huge organisation that's all really vital to getting them there safely and back. Yes, exactly. I mean, I think the, the International Space Station is just a great example of the collaboration between, obviously between countries, um, but between different disciplines um, in terms of the research that's needed before you even get to designing a mission for life support systems, for, for basic space engineering, for, for all these different aspects that have to come together before you can even think about designing a mission. And then actually building and operating the mission requires a, a whole army of engineers um, well, just for, for every launch. I was having a chat yesterday with somebody in the office, actually, about, about the International Space Station. I see it as a huge achievement for bureaucracy just to have an accounting system that deals with all the different currencies and a bartering system that means that all the different partners get back return from that, that mission commensurate to their input. Purely to do that is a huge achievement of bureaucracy, never mind the amazing technology and engineering. I'm writing this down for DLC for the game when we do an expansion package. <laughs> is that yeah? But but you're right. I think I think that that to me is one of the important things about this is the kind of that we, we recognise the, the heroic endeavours of the people who go into space and it's really dangerous and they risk their lives and I think that's that's absolutely due recognition. But yeah, I I, I think it's important that we recognise all the people you don't hear about, like you say, because this all needs doing. It doesn't just happen. Yeah. So that's I mean that's one of the key messages that we have in a lot of our kind of outreach things when we're speaking to 
for school children and so on, is that there is the hero at the, the top of the pyramid, if you like, but there's so many different people underneath that supporting them, and all of those are uh, equally needed for, for mission success. Um, so there's a whole range of careers in space which we, we look to support and promote, yeah, from the astronaut to the accountant uh, to all the engineers in, in different disciplines. So, can I ask then, Mars, what, what's, what's on the horizon? See, I'm, I'm very on brand, very on brand. <laughs> what's on the horizon for the UK Space Agency in regard Mars? So, it's, it's actually a very exciting time for, for Mars exploration. Um, Mars is always exciting, if you ask me. But at the moment, um, the big thing we've got coming up is ExoMars in 2020. So, this is a European mission um, in two stages. So, the first stage was an orbiter, which reached Mars a few months ago now, I think. Um, and then the second stage is a, uh, a rover. So, the rover is being built in Stevenage by Airbus. Which is brilliant. It's in this really, um, really unassuming garage, basically, on a back road near Stevenage train station. is is a simulation of Mars, and they're building they're building the rover there, with contributions from all over Europe. But the UK is the lead for for the rover build. So that will be going in 2020, and it's really a step beyond um, previous missions, um, particularly in that it's looking for organics, which are key signifier of whether life, um, well, either still is, which it's unlikely we'll find extant life, but may have in the past been on Mars. And it has a drill which is going to drill up to two metres below the surface, which is really critical when looking for life, because that's where it could be more protected from the effects of radiation. Um, I think Curiosity, the latest NASA rover, but they could only drill down, I think it's a couple of centimetres, where obviously the effects of radiation is still going to be quite intense. So that's really the step that, that ExoMars is making. And to me, I think this is the, the, the humble role that we play in part of this, and I say we in the broader sense of people doing entertainment and engagement, is, you know, it's that, and, and I'd be interested in your thought, and it's that role that... What inspires people to want to do this? As you rightly point out, there's lots of hard work goes into space thing, and, and ultimately, as human beings, we're motivated by those big goals. And those big goals, the dreams, the visions, the kind of the, the big stuff, for, for, certainly for me, for example, that, that comes from engaging with a book, a novel, a game, uh, you know, that then says, this inspires me to want to do that thing, to, you know, be an astronaut, to be an engineer, to work for the UK Space Agency, to help other people get to Mars or, or whatever the thing we do. I mean, do you see, does, does the Space Agency and you personally see a role in, in people like us making games? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, that's one of the things that, that excited me about this project was it's another way of engaging people. We do a lot of, uh, traditionally, in the Space Agency, I think in most space agencies. A lot of the outreach we do is very didactic in nature, which is which serves a purpose for sure, um, but it's a lot of feeding facts to children, going to talk to children about the space exploration that we do, which, which is great and it really excites children. But I think if you want to engage people on a deeper level, then, then things like video games or like art, music and so forth, I think there's a lot more we can do to leverage those types of things. Um, I mean, space exploration is fundamentally a creative endeavour. It's, it's pushing the boundaries of technology and science. It's, it's completely creative. 
So a game which allows you to interact with all those different elements and then you know, the, the player to creatively engage with this concept, I think has the potential to engage people on a much deeper and more interesting level. And they might learn a bit of science and engineering along the way, even if you know, that's not their, their initial driving goal for, for doing it. Based on your knowledge, and obviously you're, you've got in, inside knowledge and, and you know, you're, you're certainly very clued in on it, when do you think we will get the first crewed mission to Mars? What's your, what's your estimate? My personal view is it'll be somewhere between 2040 and 2060. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get people orbiting much, or you know, doing a close flyby much sooner than that. So within our lifetime? Uh, I fully intend that my daughter is the first human on Mars. Yeah, I think one of the big challenges we have is engaging with people who aren't otherwise interested in STEM, your science, technology, engineering and maths. Um, and I think games can be a really, really effective way of doing that. The kids who are already really into science, they'll pick up a science textbook, they'll read stuff about space. But the people who don't necessarily realise they are, or think they aren't suited to this kind of thing. So like Thomas said, getting, getting people in, involved in this who wouldn't otherwise be, I think that's really good. Um, looking at it from the other direction and perhaps slightly narrower, um, if we can uh, encourage people in the space community to think about new ways of engaging with new audiences, then I think this is a really good example of how to do that. Excuse the pun, but a crewed mission to Mars really is on the horizon. This is something that will undoubtedly expand humanity's reach for something more, something beyond Earth. When you look at the progress made by humanity in just the last 100 years, it's remarkable. Fast forward another 100, and just where will we be then? Our greatest achievements begin with a dream. Elon Musk rightly said that probability will occur after establishing that something is possible. You aim high, and big things happen with small steps. The very fact that a podcast and game like this even exists is because the goal of getting boots on Mars is already happening, right now. This has been the Oroch Digital Mars Horizon podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for episode three and throughout this mini-series. With thanks to Thomas Rawlings, Steve Martin, Dan Brody, Alex Briscombe, Laura Pirelli, and a special thank you to Andrew Koo for giving up his valuable time and lending his thoughts and expertise. The UK Space Agency deserve a special mention too for their continual support of this project. There are more Oroch Digital podcasts to come, including more Mars Horizon. This is the end of only this current series, so keep an eye in the sky. We would love to hear from you and have you join us in some space chat. Please do leave us a review or rating on our iTunes page. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to touch base with us, look us up on Facebook and Twitter. You can also subscribe to our newsletter. This will inform you of everything that's excitingly going on with Oroch Digital in the heart of Bristol, UK. Hit orochdigital.com for intel, and Mars Horizon itself can be wishlisted on Steam. I've been Matthew Walker. Thanks again for listening. The one thing that could come out of this game that would 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 mean the most to me, and and you, uh, and it's above and beyond any other measures of success, review scores, sales, everything like that, is that 
somebody who's involved in you know, one of these future missions to Mars, that somebody in there said, yeah, do you know the thing that made me want to do this? I played this game when I was younger, Mars Horizon, and that made me want to do it. For me, that would be mic drop, you know, I'm done.